Welcome to a very special episode of the Hay Festival podcast, guest presented by me, Lisa Llewellyn, Artistic Director of Literature Wales. 70 years ago, A Child's Christmas in Wales by Dylan Thomas became an instant classic when he recorded it on vinyl. Snow falls gently, anticipation fills the air, and Thomas's lyrical account of his childhood Christmases in a small Welsh town comes to life with humour and wit. 70 years on, and with the support of Literature Wales, Hay Festival has commissioned Wales' national poet Hannah Nissa to offer her own contemporary response to the famous work. A writer, poet and artist, as well as the co-founder of Where I'm Coming From Open Mic Collective, Hanan was recently awarded the Cymraw Trynwadol Cymru Griadigol Gwyl Agelli the Hay Festival Creative Wales International Fellowship for 2022-23. Reflecting on the power of ceremony in a certain times, the role of memory and nostalgia in writing, and the darkness in Welsh storytelling, Hanan's piece was recorded live at this year's Hay Festival Winter Weekend, and I'm delighted to share it with you here now. Enjoy. Every Christmas was a white Christmas. The Met Office assures us that Christmas is classed as white if a single snowflake falls in the 24 hours of Christmas Day. So, in theory, if I was sitting at my window in Wales, with only a chilly wind to mark the winter season, but someone in Glasgow sees a lonely grain of patterned ice fall from the sky, that year would be officially remembered as having a white Christmas. Anticlimactic trivia aside, I'm more likely to remember White Christmases based on the inevitable television specials that always end with snowfall coating its main characters in icy happiness just as the credits begin to roll. An eternal promise of hopeful things to come. On Christmas morning, our still sleep-filled eyes honed in on the knockings hanging from our bunk beds. Knockings, not stockings, since my younger brother or sister's inability to pronounce the difficult combination of S and T made a family tradition of the new name. The knockings were always black pop socks, hung like bulky snakes staked into the soft wood. Each was weighted down by the inevitable tangerine at the bottom. Each of our hastily sewn initials faced forwards. Little gifts punctuated the slew of halal sweets Mama had sourced from somewhere in Grangetown, and... Wait, my memory's all mixed up. The holidays are leaking one into the other. This is Eid I'm remembering. We had pop sock knockings on Eid, not Christmas. On Christmas morning, we woke to chewed up carrots in the hallway and half-eaten cookies where we'd left whole ones the night before. One year, our present was a Sega Mega Drive to share. Another year, we got a bag of sweets each. I remember being obsessed with our presents on both of these Christmases. The Sega, quite obviously, for its endless array of battles and adventures. The sweets, for surprisingly the same reason. First, we built an army of jelly cats with gumdrop helmets. 
Licorice rounds were the cannons the captain cats fired at each other, lobbing jelly tots at the enemy. The wars went on for eternity, definitely over an hour. We soon devoured the sweets. It was a gruesome ceasefire as cats, cannons and chewy sweets disappeared between sugar-sprinkled lips. We were poor and we were powerful. We rode our bikes up and down the cul-de-sac all morning, building makeshift ramps out of crates and cardboard boxes softened by the rain, whooshing down the hill we went, climbing quickly back to the top to take another turn. The game was great until Joe came out to play. Nasty Joe had a nasty dog, all mottled black and brown. He trained the poor thing to chase and bite anyone on a bike. We learnt to ride fast up the hill and our races became much more than play. Then Moira's dad gave that nasty dog a good kick. We all cheered from our bedroom windows, wishing he'd kick nasty Joe instead. The only time the whole cul-de-sac put aside our pacts of war was when it snowed in the farmer's field. We banded together in unspoken purpose, piling the gathered snow until we had our own mini-mountain. We took turns on the tree swing, a stick tied to some rope swinging left and right, left and right, above that flowery powdered mound as our courage gathered back and forth, back and forth, till the moment we leapt and... No, wait, I'm doing it again. That was summer, not Christmas. It was grass we piled, not snow. I suppose it's karma that I mix up my Christmases and summers or Eids with winters. When my younger brother was maybe six and I was maybe 12, my sister and I played a prank on him. In the early hours, we crept into his room, whispering in his ear that Santa had been, the presents were waiting. Why don't you wake up Mama and Baba so we can start opening them? His big brown eyes sparkled in anticipation of the sweets and toys to come, and as he ran to wake our parents, we ran back to our beds, faking sleep, for it was not anywhere near Christmas Day. It was around lunchtime as our bellies started to rumble that Mama usually called us in for Christmas dinner. The table was set, the only time in the year. Her best dinner plates that lived in the cabinet lay gleaming below the glitzy tinsel webbed across the ceiling. Each place setting had a tall, thin glass filled with lettuce, prawns and stripes of the pink Thousand Island dip I only remember tasting at Christmas. The turkey and veggies, steaming and juicy, were stacked high on the plates as the family bickered about whether Nan's gravy was better than Mama's. Of course it was. The fruitcake Mama had spent ages baking sat abandoned, broken and crumbly on our plates while we fought for the single purple one in the Quality Street tin. And dates. Yeah, we had those thin, shriveled ones at Christmas, but the sweetest, stickiest, toffee ones we ate on Eid. I don't know why we endured the sickly Christmas ones. Perhaps it was too strange to conflate the confections of one celebration with the other. Soon the adults were settled into the comfiest seats while the children filled in the gaps. Patting our roast-filled tummies, we shushed each other as Grampy recited Harold Monroe. Nymph, nymph, what are your beads? Green glass goblin, why do you stare at them? Give them me. No. Give them me, give them me. No. 
Then I will howl all night in the reeds, lie in the mud and howl for them. Goblin, why do you love them so? Give me your beads, I desire them. No, I will howl in a deep lagoon for your green glass beads. I love them so, give them me, give them. No. I can't remember anyone else doing a turn. Someone might have played the spoons at some point. Nan would start singing until Mama and Auntie Kerry warbled like strangled cats to take the piss. We kids like singing the wrong versions of Christmas carols. Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin flew away. The next bit we saved for out of Mama's earshot at the top of the cul-de-sac just to be safe. Uncle Billy lost his wheelie on the motorway. Hey! The shrieks of our neighbours, allowed a later bedtime, mocked as we brushed our teeth in fresh pyjamas because our auntie always got his pyjamas as presents. The sun soon began to set over the farmer's field and the woodland behind our house became a mass of black secrets. I reminded myself yet again that there are no more wolves in Wales, but still properly planned my escape route just in case one survived and finds its way out of the woodlands, through the farmer's field, into our garden and in the house since someone has left the back door open. As I settle into bed drifting between dreams, the beat of the duff sometimes sounds like sleigh bells and the boldness of Bukhor often interrupts the delicious sharpness of pulling crackers. Do we wear those paper crowns on Eid? And is it five or seven tukbiyas this time? I can never remember. I know the meat was definitely lamb and not turkey then. Digesting in our rice-stuffed tummies, we tried swaying awkwardly to Nancy and curl them. I'll never forget the girl who laughed when I told her we ate khatayaf at Christmas. We only eat this in Ramadan, she sneered. So I make it any time I like now. I wish I could say that my son's Christmases, Eids and Winters are as carefree as mine or those of Dylan Thomas, but my ten-year-old's new fixation is being central heating sentry. Every day he reminds me not to turn on the radiators. Like boys of his age, he's usually concerned with other things, with pockets full of twigs and pine cones, with red faces and quick swigs of water before running back to the game of footy in the park. He's not seen the cost of energy crisis unfold on the news and Twitter updates, but the fear and uncertainty taints the air all around him. The bitter cold crisis has snatched away that carefree comfort. Words like shortages and fuel cap missed playground breath as he and his friends huddle like penguins at lunchtime. But maybe one day when he feels like writing about being a boy, maybe his memories will merge too. Maybe he'll remember more good times than bad, the warmth and not the cold, twinkling fairy lights instead of dark days. I hope they clutter up together, so when he shakes his head, they cascade and drift dance like a snow globe. I hope there's enough to keep him hopeful when everything stops and settles. And that promise of untouched perfection, powdering houses and streets, remains long after the final snowflake melts away. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of the Hay Festival podcast. If you enjoyed it, please give it a rating, subscribe and tell all your friends about us. There are several ways individuals can contribute to Hay Festival. 
from signing up to the annual membership schemes, which are available as gifts, or donating at the website hayfestival.org. Wherever you are in the world, we hope this festive season brings you a bit of joy and hope. The Hay Festival podcast will be back in the new year. In the meantime, Merry Christmas from us all at Literature Wales and all at Hay Festival. Thank you for your support.